Good morning. Welcome to God's house for our worship service this morning. I am Pastor Rick Cron. I'm uh, the campus pastor and serve as the head of the theology department at Manitowoc Lutheran High School. I'm happy to be here with you, worshiping with you this morning. Although the, the theme of our service this morning might not seem like a pleasant one, yet we know that even when we face the prospect of death, which is what today's service is about, Yet even there, we know that we can trust our Savior Jesus, and we never need to be afraid. We pray that God would bless our worship of him this morning. We'll begin with the opening hymn, hymn 346. rise. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children, but we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me 
according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you the strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Almighty God, the powers of life and death are subject to your Lordship. Where there is illness, give us health. Where there is death, bring forth life. In all things, give us peace in knowing that nothing can separate us from your love for us that is in Christ Jesus our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Our first lesson for this morning is taken from the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret. But I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused. 
and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, when the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. So do not be afraid of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the word of the Lord. We now have our song of praise according to the instructions in your service folder.
for this morning is taken from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the fifth chapter. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and place your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the, house, to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, 
and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We join now to sing our hymn of the day, hymn 428. My brothers and sisters in Christ, oftentimes when you're preaching or teaching God's Word, 
one of the biggest challenges is simply to try to make people realize the relevance of what you're talking about. I teach high schoolers. Often, half the battle is just getting them to care about what we're studying, to recognize that this part of God's Word that we're, lo that we're looking at isn't something that was just written hundreds or thousands of years ago and is completely irrelevant to them, but it actually means something to their lives today. Oftentimes, that's the most difficult part. Today, I don't know that we have that problem. Because what we're looking at today, all of our lessons, really, all three of them, and you know, sometimes, I'm sure I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, sometimes it's a stretch to see how those three lessons work together and what the common theme is to all of them. Again, not difficult today, was it? Today, it's clear what we're talking about. We're talking about something that, ha that has and will affect every single one of us here this morning. Every one of us, young or old, rich or poor, famous or anonymous, powerful or powerless, every one of us will be touched by death. Many of us here this morning have had to face the death of somebody that we love, and all of us here this morning will one day face the prospect of our own death. It's something that everybody will have to face. And probably for that reason, it's something that most people are absolutely terrified of. It's something that most people don't want to talk about. Many people don't even want to think about. But that's what makes David's actions in today's first lesson so unusual, just plain strange, how he handled all of that. Let's remember how he got to, to where that first lesson was. David is the king of Israel. At the time, Israel was, was a real world power. Israel was a player on the world stage. And so David was one of the most powerful men in the world at the time. But as we've seen throughout history, that kind of power can often go to a man's head. And it kind of seems as though that's what was happening with David. David's palace was high on a hill above the city of Jerusalem so that he could look down and, and see his city beneath him. And one day as David was looking out from his palace, he saw beneath him a woman who was bathing. And he liked what he saw. And so he sent some messengers to fetch her for him. Didn't matter that she was already married, that she was the wife of Uriah, one of David's soldiers actually, and Uriah was off fighting a war for David, which is really where David should have been. As the king, he should have been at the head of his army, but David instead decided that he was going to take this one off and was at home. And didn't matter that she was already married, didn't matter that this was, of course, not in keeping with God's will. He saw something he wanted, so he took it. 
And he spent the night with her. And she snuck home in the morning, and nobody was the wiser for it. Except for a little bit later, when she sent a message to David. I'm pregnant. David had managed to cover up what he had done. He'd gotten away with it. Nobody knew it. Or at least that's what he thought. But now that was going to be a problem. Because pretty soon with Uriah, her husband, off at battle and her pregnant, yeah, the secret was going to come out. So David came up with a plan. Plan A was, let's bring Uriah home. After a long time off in battle, Uriah will come home. Of course, he will spend some time with his wife. And then when a few months later people see that she's pregnant, everyone will assume that it's Uriah's child. Yeah, but Uriah didn't play along with David's scheme. Because when David brought Uriah home, Uriah actually refused to go home. He couldn't imagine spending some time in the company of his wife when he knew that the rest of his fellow soldiers were off at the front lines fighting a battle. And so Uriah spent that first night sleeping outside the palace gates. Wouldn't even go to his own home. So that's plan A. That didn't work. David moves to plan B. The next night, he decides to grease the wheels a little bit. Let's get Uriah drunk. Then with the inhibitions lowered, then he'll go home and spend some time with... Yeah, that didn't work either. So plan B doesn't work. So now David has to move on to plan C, which is where things really get ugly. He sends Uriah back to the front lines, but has him go carrying a message that he would give to his commanding officer. And that message, as you probably know, was that they should put Uriah right in the front where the, the, the fighting is the fiercest. And then when it gets really bad, everybody take one giant step backwards. Almost guaranteeing that Uriah is going to be killed in battle. He sent that message with Uriah. And when it happens, now David is able to comfort Uriah's wife, take her home as his own wife. And when a few months later she gives birth to a child, nobody's the wiser for it. He got away with it. Nobody knows. At least that's what he thought. And he went on that way for... For almost a year, it seemed. He had, from what we can tell, he had stopped writing psalms. You know, David wrote a bunch of psalms. It seems like he had stopped. And, and from the way he spoke later, many people think David actually fell from faith. That for a while, he was an unbeliever. And then Nathan the prophet comes to David with a story about a rich man who had flocks and flocks of sheep. But one day he had a guest come to him and this rich man wanted to make a nice meal for his guest, but instead of taking one of his own many sheep, he reached across the fence and grabbed the sheep from his neighbor, his poor neighbor, and that was his only sheep. And it wasn't really so much cattle to him as it was pet even a member of the family. 
And yet that's what this rich man uses to make dinner for his guests. Nathan tells David this story, and David is livid. David explodes. The man who did this deserves to die, David says, and he must repay that lamb four times over for what he's done. And Nathan says to David, you are that man. God says to you, I gave you your kingdom. I spared you from Saul. I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you even more than that. Why did you do this? That's all background to today's Old Testament lesson. Then comes our text where Nathan describes what's going to happen to David because he did this. God was calling David to repentance, calling him to admit his sin for the first time in months and to turn from his sin. And that's exactly what David did. We can almost see the tears in his eyes as we hear David say, I have sinned against the Lord. He knew that he deserved exactly as he himself had prescribed. He knew that he deserved to die. And yet, what did Nathan tell him? God's forgiveness was instant and complete. You are not going to die, Nathan told David. The Lord has taken away your sin. What must that have sounded like to David? After all of these weeks and months of all of this guilt that he was trying to hide, but you know you can't hide and cover up guilt, not from yourself. To hear Nathan say, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. No no penance, no hesitation, no, well, I guess maybe God will let you off the hook if you do this and this and this, if you keep your nose clean for a while. No, the Lord has taken away your sin. His sin was gone. The burden was lifted. The debt that he had accumulated with God Paid in full. David wasn't going to die for his sin. Not that day and not eternally. But Nathan also had another message for David. There would be some consequence for his sin. Not punishment, not payment. That had already been done. But consequence. See, David was a public figure. David was the ruler of God's people and God had to make it clear that this type of behavior was not something that was acceptable. So as a consequence of his sin, the baby that had come from him and Bathsheba would die. As we would expect, David prayed and he prayed and he prayed, and he prayed, and he fasted, and he wept, and he covered himself in sackcloth, and he begged God 
to change his mind. He begged God to spare him, to have even more mercy on him, and to not let his son die. But after seven days, the boy died. I want to stop right there and ask you, if you're in this situation, how do you respond? This is like worst thing imaginable, right? I mean, I pray that this never happens to you. Death is bad. Death is painful. But when we're talking about the death of your own child, that is about as bad, as painful as it gets. And for David, this was compounded by knowing that it was his own fault, that he's the one that had caused all of this with his own sin. So if you're David, when you hear that the boy has died, How do you react? Despair? Anger? Anger at God? Bitterness? Resentment? All of those would make sense. All of those, I think, are are fairly normal and natural reactions to what was going on here. Not at all what David did. That's why what David did stands out so much. He fasted and prayed while his son was sick, but once his son died, he got up, washed himself up, went to church for for a while to worship God, and then went home to eat. His servants asked the same question that I think we do. How can you do that? You fasted and wept while the child was alive, but now that he's dead, you get up and eat. But David gave the perfect answer. An answer that really is based on what we heard in today's gospel. In that lesson, a man was in a similar situation, facing the death of his child, but he knew exactly where to turn, and Jesus didn't disappoint. Jesus showed that he had power even over death. Now for Jairus, Jesus brought his daughter back to life immediately. That's not how it worked for David. That son wasn't brought back to life. And really, that's not usually how it works for us either. Outside of maybe those cases where somebody's heart stops beating for a minute or so in a hospital, we've not seen somebody come back from the dead. It just doesn't happen. Really, that's beside the point. Because even if Jesus doesn't bring our loved ones back to life immediately, we know the same thing that David we can say the same thing that David said when his young son died he wasn't thrown into a fit of anger or a pit of despair because he knew I will go to him even if his son wasn't going to come back to him he was going to go to his son Because David knew what we knew. 
that Jesus has power even over death. And so for us, as Jesus' brothers and sisters, death is not the end. They may not come back to us, but we will go to them. David's son wouldn't come back to him, but he would go to his son. And that is our hope and our strength and our confidence when we face the worst thing imaginable, death itself. Every one of us here will someday, if we haven't already, have to face the death of somebody that we love. Worst thing that we may have to deal with. But it's Jesus and what he's done for us that keeps us from flying into a fit of anger or falling into a heap of despair Because Jesus has defeated death. Yes, he took your sin. He took your punishment. He took your death. He took the sting of death on his cross. He destroyed, he defeated death in his empty tomb. So now, even when we are faced with death, the death of somebody that we love, one day our own death, do not be afraid. Because Jesus has won life. For all who believe in him, life eternal with him in paradise. Even in the face of death, rejoice in that light. Amen. Please rise. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, that peace will keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join to confess our faith using this morning the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. At this time in our service, the offerings that have been collected will now be brought forward to present to our God. We join now in the responsive prayer of the church. Almighty God, we acknowledge with thanks 
that all we have and enjoy is a gift from your gracious hand. We come before you today in heartfelt appreciation for our nation and its people. We thank you for enabling us to worship you in freedom and to serve you without fear. You have enriched us with the bounties of farm and factory, the beauty of forest and mountain, and the marvels of medicine and science. For all these blessings, we praise and glorify you. Look with favor upon our nation and preserve our cherished liberties. Enable our leaders to govern with wisdom, honesty, courage, and justice. Protect those who serve in the armed forces and those who maintain peace and safety in our communities. Give us willingness to obey our nation's laws and to work for the common good. Keep our financial institutions secure and our economy strong. Bless our fields that they may produce abundant harvests. Guard us from calamities of nature and accident and spare our land from the ravages of disease and epidemic. Teach us not to worry, but to cast all our cares on you. Strengthen the homes of our nation. By your spirit, lead husbands and wives to love each other, parents to nurture their children, young adults to assume responsibility, and children to show respect. And now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. To you, O Lord, we bring our thanks and our requests. Hear our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We join to sing our next hymn, hymn 588.
Please rise for prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated for our closing hymn. Once again, good morning, and once again, I thank you for the privilege of being here with you this morning. Uh, just a couple of announcements I've been asked to give. First of all, I invite all of you to, to stick around for a while after the service. Our summer Bible class continues right here in church. We continue looking at the, the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, so I hope you can stick around for that. And then before that, uh, we'll take a few minutes to look at the uh, most recent edition of the Lancer Link from Manitowoc Lutheran High School. I pray that God grants to all of you a blessed week and a safe and blessed 4th of July. Jesus is Lord, the tomb is glorious. 
Kilo from Manitowoc Lutheran High School, and welcome to Lancer Link number 40. MLHS was pleased to offer face-to-face -face education all year. With the exception of two weeks, we remained open in person. Masks were worn for about three quarters of the school year. As cases dropped, vaccines became available, and things began to open up, we went to mask optional. We were blessed with no serious cases of COVID-19, and we thank our Heavenly Father for that. We were also blessed with a staff willing to work with live and virtual education at the same time. Next year, we will go back to face-to-face -face education only. This year, we were privileged to serve 210 students and had the daily opportunity to share God's word with them. We had 54 seniors that graduated on May 29th. Six of our seniors were international students, and some of them had the opportunity to leave early and get home. All six of them graduated, but not all were able to be with us on graduation day. Those international students have been away from friends and family for almost two years, and we granted them an early graduation. And now let's hear a few words from valedictorian Paige Zerbel from Morrison Zion and salutatorian Zachary Martin from St. Paul's Howard's Grove. Our years of high school have gone by in the blink of an eye. It felt like just yesterday we walked through the doors of MLHS for the first time. We are very grateful that for the past four years, we've been able to call MLHS our home. Being surrounded by Christian teachers, friends, and parents has been a blessing to the class of 2021. Despite the uncertain circumstances during our time here at MLHS, we have never stopped feeling the love and hearing the encouragement we needed to make the most of our time here. While COVID-19 was the main topic of the world around us in the last 18 months, we were blessed at Manitowoc Lutheran to be able to continue to focus on God above all else. During the lockdown in the spring of 2020, we were able to continue school virtually. During this school year, we only had one week of school-wide virtual learning. This is just another sign of God's hand blessing us, and we thank Him for that blessing. As we head our separate ways, with 37 going to a four-year college, 11 going to a two-year or technical college, and six entering the workforce, we are reminded of what we learned in these walls. We have been equipped with what we need in our lives of service ahead, and we have the comfort of knowing that our Lancer family has our backs. On behalf of the class of 2021 and the entire MLHS student body, we would like to thank all of you for your continued support of our school. We are able to receive a quality education centered around God, and you are a big part of making that happen. We greatly appreciate everything you do for us, and we thank you for your continuous prayers and encouragement. They are truly a blessing to all of us. And now, let's meet Mr. Corey Marone, who joined our faculty this year. Thanks to Paige and Zach for those thoughts. Our prayers are with you and the entire graduating class of 2021. I have the privilege of serving as the curriculum coordinator for Lakeshore Lutheran Schools and the learning coordinator for Manitowoc Lutheran High School. I have served in Texas, Arizona, and most recently as the principal and sixth grade teacher at St. John St. James Lutheran School in Reedsville, Wisconsin for nine years. I am a 1999 graduate of Martin Luther College and a 2009 graduate of Marion University. My wife Sarah and I have been married for 22 years. She serves as the first and second grade teacher at St. John St. James. We have been blessed with five children. Lindsay, our oldest, is a graduate of Manitowoc Lutheran. She will be a junior at Martin Luther College next year and is studying early childhood education. We will have three kids at Manitowoc Lutheran next year, 
Emily will be a senior, Haley a junior, and Abby will be a freshman. Ethan, our youngest, will be in the seventh grade at St. John St. James. They are all involved in a variety of sports and different activities at their schools. We also have a 120-pound black lab named Lucy. We got a female so that she would be smaller. She was also supposed to be a hunting dog, but spends most of her time being spoiled by the kids and sleeping on the couch instead. Our family enjoys the outdoors and a variety of sports. Sarah and I spend much of our free time in the bleachers at the kids' different athletic events. It is an honor to serve our Lord and Federation families at Manitowoc Lutheran. God's blessings to you this summer. Thanks, Mr. Marone, for helping us to get to know you and your family a little bit. God's blessings as you serve our entire Federation as the Lakeshore Lutheran Schools Curriculum Coordinator and our High School Learning Coordinator. Our capital campaign entitled Building Our Future on Christ continues to make progress. We have an architect and general contractor working on a final design. You will be able to see a 3D rendering of it soon. And we're fundraising all summer to make this project a reality starting in about a year from now. Contact us at school to find out how you can help. We are very happy to announce that the Lancer Golf Classic will take place on July 31st at Par 5, formerly known as Fox Hills. There will be a shotgun start at 8 a.m. All information and the registration link can be found on our website. We have some new ideas and fun plans in the works, so please mark your calendars and join us for a great day of golf and fellowship. August 19th marks the official start of a new school year. The opening service will take place at 10 a.m. on that day. We plan to be open to the public and all are welcome to join. This year we will celebrate homecoming on September 24th. Our varsity football team will be in action that night at 7 p.m. Please come on out and support your Lancers. Thanks to you for watching, and until September, may God bless and keep you all. <laughs>